0: This special bite-sized Texas Tribune Tribcast will tell you everything you need to know about Beto's presidential announcement. But before we do, I'd like to thank our Tribcast sponsor. The Texas Farm Bureau. Fairness is a casualty in many eminent domain takings. That's why Texas landowners want and need eminent domain reform. Learn more at texansforpropertyrights.com. And... Texas Southern University. Become the force of change now reshaping our world and profession. We educate all of Texas. Join us at the Barbara Jordan Mickey Leland School of Public Affairs at Texas Southern University. Hello, this is Emily Ramshaw here on Thursday, March 14th with this special edition of the Texas Tribune Tribcast. I'm already getting choked up. <laughs> where we're going to tell you everything you need to know about Beto O'Rourke's presidential rollout. I'm joined by CEO Evan Smith.
1: All that Beto love is just affecting your ability to speak. Is <laughs> it is?
0: I think it's just that I've lost my voice this week. Executive Editor Ross Ramsey.
1: Beto, Beto, Bato.
0: Whatever Beto, you want to
2: Beto, call it. Beto, Beto, Beto. And
0: our political editor, Amon Bathija.
2: O'Rourke—that's what I'm going to call him.
0: <laughs> good. As always, we take your questions in real time on Twitter and Face- uh, Facebook. You can do it using the oh, hashtag Somebody should Tribcast. Facetime us. That's it's funny. On the last Tribcast, I also said Facetime. I really just want people to Facetime me. <laughs> that's how you talk to your daughter? <laughs> don't, and Hello. Yes, actually, yes. Uh, all right. Uh, let's. I don't. I haven't uh, done much preparing for this Tribcast. I just want you all to tell me. Just like me. Beto in his campaign. Just like ooh, <laughs> nice. zing. I'll, sick, I think sick, off. sick burn. <laughs> Whatever. He's been, had endless amounts of time to prepare. Yeah. Uh, talk us through, uh, Amon, why don't you tell us a little bit about his, um, his rollout starting with yesterday.
2: Uh, yesterday was a lot of fun for a lot of political journalists who, um, were expecting something to happen this morning and then found in El Paso TV station, published a story saying Beto just texted us that he's running. (laughs) Um, and so that was fun. And I, it kind of felt like maybe, uh, he didn't know that he was on record, or what? I don't no, know. Like, do, jump the gun or jump the well, shark? On the Which other hand, <laughs> I, I have a
3: political editor who told me to hurry up a column because it probably wouldn't hold until Thursday. <laughs> I, I read the text. I actually
1: don't think that what the TV station did is the worst thing ever. Oh no, I'm, oh I'm God, not. No. I'm not. I'm not blaming the TV no, station. No, but some I people actually. The thing ever, some yeah. people raised the question of whether the TV station jumped the gun, and he, I read the text and thought honestly, you could easily make the assumption based on this text that he had given it away. He said, that's why I'm running. That's- I, I think no, this was think perfectly
0: lied. planned out. It is super shitty when you're running to, for president to not give your local news organization. And right. he gave a sit down on. to the El
1: Paso Times. Did yeah. you notice that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, yeah, right. you can
0: like read that text message whatever way you want. I read this as, you know, he t- he they called every national media organization and their mother to say, you know, you better be online at 6.30 tomorrow morning. To not give your local press like the nice twelve-hour head start. 12 well, hours, we like
1: right. to hear a in the El Paso Times. They deserve that. Well, the, he ta- he talked right, to we're he, for them. He talked well, to the El Paso yeah, Times. He talked to Bob yeah. Moore
3: for Texas Monthly. Moore is the former editor of the El Paso Times. Known each other for years. He talked to KTSM, which is you know like an establishment television station in El Paso. You take care of your locals. I, I just I just right. think it's just an old school thing. Just it's
2: the just, weird thing about the text felt like this was not planned.
0: It also it, like, kind yeah. of looked like a fake text message. I mean, <laughs> I was the editor, I think, who made the decision, like, just go for it and run it. But I did look at that text and think, is this spam?
1: You <laughs> know, there were a lot of signs in the last couple of weeks that this was coming. It was only a question of when. Amon's right. We said we thought it was going to be this morning. But anybody at this point, up until the actual announcement, who thought that he was not running, psych. Come on.
0: Also, the Vanity Fair piece. Evan, talk a little bit about the Vanity Fair piece before Ross tells us about his take on the Vanity Fair piece. (laughs) Uh, You know, I
1: think the Vanity Fair piece is a perfectly legitimate way. It's not the only way that you get your message out. It's not the only way that you get your brand out or your face out. But he is consciously attempting to tap into the celebrity culture that propelled him during his Senate race. This is Beyoncé endorsing him on Instagram two hours before the polls closed on Election Day. Of course, if she had put a ring on a little earlier, it might have made a difference. But this is uh, oh, Greg boy. Popovich running around. Been working that on the back uh, of an envelope. I've, I've, I know. Used that line, I've used that line every place else but here. He's about to tell um, you how
0: lit he is. It's, hey,
1: <laughs> I'm overwoke is what I am. Yeah. Uh, it's Greg Popovich running around Spurs practice with a, with a Beto shirt or a Beto hat on. He, he taps into something that is the thing that both elevates him to the status of national political figure and also opens him up to mocking and ridicule except you probably have to lean into it and i think the vanity fair cover as ross was saying before we came out here is something that frankly every other candidate would have killed for
3: mm-hmm. yeah i think all the other candidates right? probably you know are screaming and filling their diapers and you know Hollering about this, they would love to be on the front of Vanity Fair. They would love right. to have any. You know, Joe, Joe, ha- Joe Hagan, who is you know.
1: an, a writer in New York for national magazines, who happens to be from Corpus Christi, was working on this story. I knew, and a number of us knew here for a long time. I talked to him about Beto and about the story. O'Rourke, sorry, Amon, <laughs> buzzkill, uh, and um, and so, if you're going to roll out your campaign, it creates this moment. It creates this buzz and that's what this presidential campaign is about and especially one in which he's right. one of a dozen and a half likely candidates mm-hmm. he has to figure out how he breaks out of the pack maintains that status compared to other people they'll they'll shoot at him for it and we'll see quickly whether he can handle the incoming and that will tell us something about the longevity of his campaign and he wants to get into pack one he wants to get into the top 5
3: because you know the the 2016 re, uh, Republican primary was a pretty good case study in what happens if you're not in the middle of the stage. And, you know, even if you're a great candidate, a really well-established candidate, a really solid resume, if you're not in that central group or that first five, five's a made-up number, but, you know, that, that small handful... Then you're just somebody else who ran, and right. I think the former mayor of San Antonio is stuck on the edges right now, and yeah, watching the go in the middle.
0: So, but. how do you think Julian Castro felt this morning? I mean, we knew we saw a press release from him a little later in the day, but how do you think? How do you think he's feeling today?
2: I, I mean, I, he put out this, these uh, endorsements from like 30 30 lawmakers from 30, uh, Texas, 30,
1: 30 electeds, including 19 in the legislature, two in the. A bunch of them from the San the Senate, Antonio, Texas, and, uh,
2: yeah. But you know, they're all largely border lawmakers. Right. Most and, of them
1: are border lawmakers, And Hispanic, right. all of them.
2: So, or I, I believe many I of all them, many of them, yeah. um, which is you know was seen as a weakness of O'Rourke's when he ran for Senate. Well, he lost right. a bunch of border counties right. in the primary, right. Uh, right? Which I was kind of surprised by, just because I thought it would be. Um, I knew eventually that um, you know, O'Rourke and Castro would try to undercut each other. I, I just. Thought there would be a little bit of a honeymoon phase. Mm-hmm. Apparently not. This I don't <laughs> is, think there is, can be a honeymoon a, phase. But it's
1: not a knife fight either. I don't think it's not like Castro is going all congressmen do nothing on him. He's simply yeah. trotting out a bunch of people who are at with the him. exact
2: moment he had. I mean, uh, yeah. was so why, it was obvious why. He did you know,
1: it, <laughs> it ain't beanbag like the cliche says. Just what right. you do. Yeah,
2: no, I thought right. he'd wait a couple of days. I thought it was actually honestly, I thought it was a deft move by Castro. Yeah, and I, I want to go back. Perfectly to... Perfectly timed. I, I was, I've just been thinking about if you know I'm. Orourke and his people, and trying to figure out how to roll out this campaign. You're thinking there's going to be this big surge, no matter what. There's, you know, lots of interest. There's going to be a honeymoon phase. What are your weaknesses? He's seen as a policy lightweight, and he's kind of seen as, you know, self-absorbed or a little all about him. Andy Lievo should have shot yeah. him for the cover of Foreign Policy. Well, just I, a Vanity Fair cover just seems bizarre to me, I, or at least wait. A month from now, just doing it before the rollout just seems like it's exactly fitting into the perception of.
1: Let me Horseshack this podcast. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh! I would like <laughs> Feel to answer free. that. What else? All right, is new? so I, you know, <laughs> as you know, I really like Amon, <laughs> and as uh, you know, I respect Amon enormously. Am I about comes. to be fired? He is completely wrong, <laughs> <laughs> and here's wh- and here is why. Beto O'Rourke ran a Senate campaign that was about aspiration and inspiration and personality and affect and disposition. It was not about issues. It was not about ideology. If it had been about issues or ideology, he would have gotten whipped. The reason it was so close is because it wasn't about substance. This is a Jesus Christ superstar campaign. He is running a campaign that is about him as the brand and him as the personality. And that affect and inspiration and aspiration is going to be the thing that either makes him or breaks him. There is no middle ground. It, it was is what made poll. Donald Trump. It is wasn't one about poll policy. or the other poll he is going to ride that same train i would submit all across the country and attempt to make this about something larger than a disagreement on issues or a disagreement about ideology he's going to try to run a campaign that is more about hope and more about bringing people together in a gauzy way this entire campaign should have vaseline on the lens okay <laughs> it already does and like so that. i and so i actually all think soft, i hope guess, frankly yeah. frankly i hope it's vaseline you know uh, it is the <laughs> Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Keep moving on. It's the national media, man. Right. My <laughs> point simply is that I think if you look to him to lead with substance, I think that's not going to be, in the end, this campaign. Now, he's going to have a very hard time maintaining that because in these debates, there are going to be a whole bunch of people with significant experience and money who are going to have no patience at all for the cause. Oh, oh, but O'Rourke was great at debates. <laughs> well, that's the other part, is I wonder what, I mean, he lost both
2: those debates. Ted Cruz
1: ate him whole.
3: He lost those debates. He,
2: yeah. he, he lost those debates, and he's never really had to defend himself from the left.
0: Well, and he's not great on national TV, as we were discuss- discussing earlier. I mean, he's, you know, okay, when he's on stage <laughs> and he's, you know, giving some kind of impassioned speech with no teleprompter, but suddenly, like, when he's under those bright lights, you know, the hand motions, and the, mm. I mean, he's, who was saying this morning like the SNL skit is going to write itself Trump right. I, I brought up his thinking, hand moments it's yeah. funny moments. I was thinking
1: this morning Pete Davidson is my bet
2: <laughs> oh
0: really? Pete I Davidson. don't know
1: wow <laughs> um, so look I think, I think that everything you're saying does two things one it exposes the risk for him but at the second time it sets the expectations curb level low mm-hmm. and he, he can just step over them He's also got a weird advantage,
3: and I haven't. I mean, this is probably circumstantial, and I'm probably making too much of it. But I think it's really interesting that Trump chose to go to El Paso while everybody in politics in America knew Beto O'Rourke was on the fence on this thing, mm-hmm, or hmm. pretending to be on pretending the fence on to this be on the thing. Fence, right. well, it, it was elevated. it does a great job of positioning O'Rourke as the one that has that the White House is watching. And then the Club for Growth came out with an ad the other day, a, you know, a pre-attack on. O'Rourke that they haven't bothered to do with any other candidate. And I I think those kinds of things are positioning him as the one to watch from the Republican side of the fence. John Cornyn did some of this, thinking that Beto might run against him. I, th- I think that you know as a product rollout, just lay off of all the other stuff. As a product rollout, I think this is working really well. And I'll, I'll, I don't know yeah. if the product
1: works well when you open the box. Right. Amon and Emily are too young to get this reference necessarily, but this is also could be Ed Muskie in '72. Nixon wanted to run against. I
3: think that's going to stand on
1: the back of a truck and cry. No, no my point <laughs> will right yeah, yeah exactly. A uh, canuck is that what it has. is? The, <laughs> the canuck letter. Yeah. We need yeah. No, my point is that that that. Um, Who did uh, Nixon fear in 72? Muskie. Muskie. Right. Nixon wanted to run against McGovern. He ran against McGovern. The question is, are are all these folks elevating him because they actually want to run against him? Or are they legitimately afraid of him? Right. Mm -hmm. Is he Muskie or is he McGovern in this case?
0: I want to ask about the media's relationship with Beto O'Rourke. Uh, we were having a f- uh, fierce discussion here a few minutes ago. Uh, Amon's argument is, yes, you know, uh, the national media, everybody's basically referring to him by his first name. You go on TV and everybody's saying, Beto, Beto, Beto. Uh, why don't... Just like Hillary <laughs> and Bernie. We didn't do her, Hillary. Uh, the media didn't say... Did the media say no, just Hillary? God, oh, my just God. The yeah.
1: media yeah. totally did Hillary. All
0: right, so why do we do this? <laughs> I have to defend it now. No, <laughs>
1: yeah. and I was arguing. Evan, I, was arguing I was arguing. I was arguing that the media, <laughs> that the, uh, there were segments of the media who knew him socially from mm-hmm. New York, who referred to President Trump as a candidate as Donald. And every time I heard it, it was like nails on a chalkboard. I, I thought think
3: the Trump thing was the Donald thing was Trump is a brand. Donald's not a brand. Don't
1: honor his. Brand. Well, Beto's a brand.
0: Clearly, Trump's campaign you, signs sorry. didn't say Donald in huge letters.
2: I feel like I'm not defending it, but I think when mm-hmm. everyone fault. everyone was. You know, referring to as Hillary was in part because there is another Clinton who's very well known, <laughs> and Bernie. I feel like he actually like O'Rourke. You know, promoted himself as Bernie uh, instead of Sanders.
1: Don't you think Bernie is the way that Bernie is occasionally referred to? I well, it was his
3: sign. That's his bumper sticker. Well, and look, this, yeah. we, we have the spicy ketchup. I'm we it have on the signs. The, we spicy have the
1: spicy ketchup branding. It's Beto for America. We have a logo. We Nobody see in America going will get that there.
3: joke. Everybody was like, "Did you notice that looks like Whataburger?" Everybody in Iowa was, like, like was going to go, "What? What? Yeah. <laughs> what a reference!" Uh, what, what a so,
0: Danny on social media asks, "So, how much does Beto need to raise? Beto O'Rourke? How, how much does O'Rourke <laughs> need to raise?" I,
1: I think I think the number to look for. My my this, uh, this train never can find the track again. Uh, <laughs> never ever. <laughs> I think O'Rourke. We'll have to o raise. Uh, I think ten million dollars in the first twenty four hours would be an That's unbelievable of show of strength. Sanders Sanders raised six point <laughs> five million in the first twenty four hours. Harris raised one point five million.
2: This is so boring. Yeah, I know it's much <laughs> the better. when names it's, are so he, much better. He yeah. was just asked in Iowa if he would put out um, his fundraising for twenty four hours, and he said he. O'Rourke said he didn't know. Yeah, he didn't know. Like
1: he said, he didn't know if he would put out his tax returns. <laughs>
2: Says Smith. Welcome,
1: welcome to the show. Meet. It depends on if
3: it's ten million or one, right? If it's ten, I, I, I yes. think if, if it's one, I think if he yeah. raises
1: ten million in the first twenty-four hours, which is entirely possible, mm. and it may all be raised through Instagram. Right. If he thank raises- God
0: Instagram's back up. <laughs> back up. I mean, Phew. maybe he was right. gonna announce the day before. If he raises
1: <laughs> ten million in the first twenty four hours, then the entire dynamics of this race pivot in his direction where he is seen as an Obama-like, an Obama-like an <laughs> Obama-like phenomenon. No, I'm serious. I think but if I think the problem is if he raises a million, or if he fails to release the total for fear that, then I think it's like, oh, balloon popped or balloon is leaking air. I think that this is the problem for him. It is either high highs or low lows. There is no ambling along normally, right. because he, <clears throat> you, if you live by being a phenomenon candidate, you die by being a phenomenon. This candidate. is one of the reasons- Wendy
2: Davis found that out, by the way, too. This is one of the reasons I'm feeling all these parallels between work running and Rick Perry running, because you know, Rick Perry had to kind of be drafted, and there was all these high expectations because you know, the economy in Texas done great, and he was seen as this perfect candidate to run against Obama, and just he just failed to meet these expectations and just kind of like fell apart on the campaign trail. And I'm not saying that's going to happen with O'Rourke, but it just feels like the similar dynamic. I think that the
1: Rick Perry constituency and the Beto O'Rourke constituency are very different. Oh, yeah. Obviously. (laughs) I think the the cross of Pele, Zeus, and Jesus that is O'Rourke and the way that he is viewed out in the world has a more durable potential constituency on college campuses, Hmm. in head shops across the country. You know, Rick Perry was chambers of commerce, and I would take head chops over chambers of commerce as far as building a movement goes. It's a wily Coyote campaign.
3: He keeps walking, and as long as he doesn't look down, he won't fall, but he left the ground a while ago. This is gossamer thin, and it worked in Texas to a point. I just think that the outflowing in the next week, the first week or two weeks of opposition from Democrats, not from Republicans, is going to be
1: a test like he's never if the, been if tested the AOC wing of the, If it, the AOC wing of the party comes after him. It,
3: it doesn't matter which wing. The other dozen and a half candidates coming from wherever they come from, no, nobody's ever come at him like that. He was not in a, you know, one of the things about being a Democrat in Texas when he ran was that, you know, don't take that guy seriously. He's not going to break 40%. And this time it's, he's coming out with Vanity Fair and all of this press coverage and all of this woo-woo. He's, I think he's, who else has been on Oprah so far? And everybody's going to be throwing rocks at him. And, you know, we're going to find out if he can catch rocks.
0: So what do you think? Could it be Biden-Beto 2020?
1: Oh, yeah. Two white men on a ticket coming out of the last election. Democrats classically would be snatching defeat from the prospective jaws of victory by doing that. (laughs) Who powered the party in the last election? Women, young people, and white men? No. It was women, young people, and people of color. You put two white men on the ticket? Bad. I just think that's, I think that is a self-own on the Democrats' (laughs) part. What do you think?
2: I mean, didn't Biden already supposedly ask or if he'd, you know, who, join who, his ticket?
1: Where'd that come from?
2: That was uh, some reporting. A few, uh, I didn't hear that one. That was some reporting at maybe Politico a, couple, a few months ago. That, like, mm. Next you'll tell me Annie Leibowitz
1: is from El Paso. Yeah. <laughs> if um, She only lived there. I, you know, <laughs> we're, we're so far away from vice
3: presidents. We've got to see who the survivors are and how they survived and what was dangerous in this his primary. This is a minefield. There's a dozen and a half candidates and there's a lot of talent. All over the place and small slips at the wrong time are going to undermine people who ought to be winners. Last time, you know, four years ago, we're looking at this thing. We're looking at senators and governors and Donald Trump wasn't really on our minds. I mean, all kinds of things can go wrong. That's, you know, what makes this interesting.
0: Uh, according to the Associated Press, advisor to form, advisors to former Vice President Joe Biden, who's considering a White House run of his own, said in December they'd approached O'Rourke's camp yeah. about his being a vice presidential candidate. So, if you we trust have any confirmation the confirmation on that, press, that is the
1: damn AP. I mean, you trust Jim Fortuno uh, at 150 percent? Yeah, same. <laughs>
0: yep. Okay. All right, gentlemen. Anything you want to add to this before we uh, give our readers, listeners, a break? We skateboarded through the
3: parking lot of our podcast. <laughs> yep.
0: You know, uh, Texas
3: Ro- is still happening to the rest of the country. I'm just going to say.
2: Orvork has two more days full of Iowa events. So it'll be interesting to see what the perception is of him on Sunday and the Sunday shows.
1: You know what I like more than one person from Texas running for president? Two.
0: Uh, how, Good okay. for business, Emily. <laughs> Let's, time to make a prediction. Oh, by the way, I'd just like to remind everyone, since Patrick Svitek is not on here to defend himself, it was not very long ago that we were sitting in these chairs and Patrick told me Beto's not running. And I said, are you kidding? Of course Beto is the, running. The robot <laughs> malfunction? So just FYI. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Great. Uh How far does he make it? Predictions. Oh, wow.
1: No
3: No oh, chance. Come on.
0: There is not a chance in hell, I'm going to tell you that. What? <laughs> come on. You have to. This is the TripCast. <laughs> Go ahead, Ross. You do it.
2: Final five.
1: Final five out of how many?
2: A million. A dozen like and a half. Million. So final five and then he He's, drops?
3: Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, it <laughs> depends on how they get there. I mean, mm. you know, at this point four years ago, I said Jeb Bush. <laughs> Whatever. See, Ross Low energy, is not, Ross.
0: Thank God, Ross is not afraid to make wild projections. <laughs> Do you so, have question so, 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 answer,
3: answer my headline: Is he a bomb? Is he the bomb, or is he a bottle rocket? He's
0: a bottle rocket. I'm gonna say final three.
1: Did you mean is he the bomb? As in, is he the bomb? The diggity. Bomb. I thought you meant like the bomb. He didn't. Read did. you, he didn't read. Did your you headline? mean like a bomb or the no, bomb? The bomb. So you meant like great. Yeah, not as opposed to a bomb like he. Yeah, what would the or be for? I don't know. I just couldn't, you know, you young people with your hip language. (laughs) You're a headline writer. (laughs)
2: Come on. Um, I think I'm with you. Final three.
0: I absolutely think final
1: three. Absolutely do, and I also think that it opens the question, which is perhaps for another podcast. See, Ross is conservative. Of the impact, the impact of. O'Rourke on a ticket in the number one or number two slot on the elections in Texas in 2020, because you not only have a presidential race and a Senate race, but you also have what is increasingly being viewed as a critical race for control of the Texas House heading into redistricting. A scenario is that any Texan on the ticket, better or somebody else, could drive up turnout on the Democratic side to the extent that while the state is not legitimately competitive, the margin is much closer than it typically is, see last election, And while he loses, he beats a bunch of Republicans. And I'm really interested not so much in his role at the presidential level, but absolutely in his role in motivating Democratic turnout in the next election cycle and what that would mean for elections across Texas, right? Yeah, it's a lovely bouquet. Let's see how fast it wilts. (laughs)
0: All right, that's all the time we have this week. Thanks, oh, this week. geez, that's all the time we have today. We better not be doing another one of these. (laughs) Thanks to the Texas Farm Bureau and Texas Southern University, our sponsors, and an extra special thanks to Spoon for our theme music. On behalf of Evan, Amon, Ross, and our producers, Michael Ray and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening.